We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a Friday edition, February 10th, of the OBR Film Breakdown, where we will be reeling out once again the show titled Franchise Mode, which again, it sort of stems off what I did with Jordan Zerm earlier in the year during the season, where we look around the rest of the NFL NFL and, and talk about some other organizations, what's happening and how those things correlate to the Browns. I think it's good to get a league wide perspective, talk about big things that are going on. So that's going to be the goal of this all offseason. A little fair warning. This is probably the singular most boring week of the year because it is the dead week after we've already had a week off. We get the dead week in between uh, the, the, you know, the bye weeks, Pro Bowl festivities, whatever they are now, and the Super Bowl. And we'll talk about the Super Bowl here in a little bit. But this is obviously going to be a lot more fun when we get closer to free agency, the combine, a lot of the moving parts that will happen around that time. You get a lot of different franchise big decisions, and we get to talk about those things, and that's always going to be the most unique part of this show. So that part of it will be better as we go, I promise. But I do still think there are some things to talk about league-wide, and we're going to bring Andrew Spade in here just a moment. Before we do, a couple things to quickly remind you about at the OBR's website. We have a slew of things going on, particularly every day, that free agent uh, daily mock from, from Jack Duffin paired with the Obviously, the daily mock that I do is up and at it every morning, so you can always go look around, you know, 10 o'clock area. Both of those are up and get an idea for what sort of situation is happening uh, that could happen for the Browns this year. Like earlier this week, we did a trading of a pick to go get a wide receiver, Um, you know, particularly the Hopkins veteran receiver angle. You know, today uh, we did the Dayron Payne signing. Today we did Jerry Judy trade for Greg Newsom, and we'll talk a little bit more about Greg Newsom later. But that's kind of the angle of what we're trying to do is teach you all the different ways, the cap ramifications, the, the draft decisions off of those, uh, you know, sort of either free agency or trade decisions that happen. So that's the fun stuff. That's up every day. And then you get prospect of the week is up. Marvin Mims, which is a fun wide receiver out of Oklahoma, probably not getting talked about nearly enough. Could be an interesting fit for the Browns. Cody Sook put that together. And then obviously Jack Duffins continued his free agent target list hitting on centers. Ethan Posich is the focal point of that. 
don't presume the Browns will be able to bring him back at the money he should go out and demand, but that doesn't mean they won't be at least having the discussion. And we're uh, obviously looking at other targets for that position as well. So that's what's up at the OBR right now. You'll get plenty more of that tomorrow. At, you know, we're recording this at 7.54. I presume Joe Thomas is going to go into the Hall of Fame this evening, be inducted uh, in terms of his notification of his induction, which will happen in the uh, preseason. So uh, that, that should be exciting stuff for you Browns fans, and we'll talk about that over the weekend in, in some of your episodes there. But we're going to bring Andrew in right now. And listen, we got like three, I think three pretty interesting league-wide points to talk about uh, from teams that are kind of hovering. Andrew, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, Jake. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Yeah, let's uh, let's dig in. Like, I think the thing that's most interesting from a league wide perspective right now is that it feels it feels to me I could be wrong here. And there's probably fact checkers out there who can go out and analyze this. But I I recall it being that when the the Colts originally let go of the the Josh McDaniels thing fell through and they hired Frank Reich, that was one of the latest hires in the cycle, at least in recent memory. And we're about to go through Super Bowl weekend unless some miracle happens tomorrow or Saturday going through Super Bowl weekend where two teams just don't have head coaches yet. And that's kind of crazy because most of these guys involved in the Super Bowl have been able to be out there and interview and have them, you know, give themselves a chance to get a job. It seems really weird, Andrew, that we are going through this and the Colts and Cardinals both don't have coaches yet. It seems extremely strange. And I would imagine their fan bases should be concerned about the direction of whatever the heck's going on right now, right? Yeah, it is. It's strange. And I think I, I certainly, if I was a fan of either of those franchises, or I guess the other way to put it is if this was happening to the Browns, you, you, Cleveland media would be melting down, right? I mean, we, we would be, we, we, we would all be doing our best impression of the sports radio guys, just having a cow on a daily basis about, you know, how mismanaged the search is and everything like that. We, we, we talked about this a little bit pre-show. And so I Googled around a little bit. Um, Kevin O'Connell last year got hired by the Vikings. And of course he was in the Super Bowl as, as the OC for the Rams, so that's the that's the other one, but you don't really get the sense that the Cardinals or the Colts are waiting on anybody in this game. So that's the no. part that's the strangest is it's not like they're waiting on, uh, you know, I mean, who who would be the guy? It'd be Eric Bieniemy or um, uh, you know, I guess it would be uh, Shane Steichen. But Steichen Shane Steichen, yeah. yeah, Steichen hasn't interviewed in in Arizona, and neither has Jonathan Gannon. So. It, the the question isn't so much like why are they taking so long it's like wh- well who are they what are they waiting on right like what what is the who's the guy and it almost feels uh for the cardinals it feels like maybe they can't find anybody uh which is you know when yeah. when you're an NFL team and you you're struggling to find a head coach to take the job that's when you've really kind of bottomed out as a franchise in my mind yeah they're in such a weird spot right because it's kind of come out that that Kyler won't be back until mid year so if you if you go take that job you're essentially setting yourself up for a, a, a lame duck scenario. I mean, you could, I think there are guys right. like Flores who, I don't know why it fell through with Flores and he in, ends up ultimately going to Minnesota. I'm not sure what happens there, but like that's the type of coach getting a second chance at this thing that I thought would have made the most sense for them because a first year or first time head coach saying, Hey, I'd rather actually end up going to Houston, right? Than, than, than Arizona is pretty jarring. Exactly. It's pretty jarring. So yeah. it doesn't speak highly of where either team is. Now, I, I think we, we all have a better feel for the, the looniness of Ursa. I couldn't even tell you, maybe you can, can, uh, can, can tell us live here. I don't even know the name of the Cardinals ownership, um, the owner specifically. So Michael Bidwill, I think, but he, you know, he, he's another one of those guys. He, he inherited it from his, you know, it's, it's, he's just like Ursa and, uh, Mark Davis, uh, you know, Mike Brown, all these guys, they don't know what they're doing. They just 
got lucky and were born to the right guy. Well, that's kind of like what I'm saying is yeah. the Colts, it's un- like Colts are in really weird territory between the Saturday hiring, which was as, as off the wall a hire as we've ever seen. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not surprised by the Colts. Like, I feel like right. they, what, they're out in left field picking dandelions as it is. Now, the, the, the Cardinals, <laughs> you felt like, although they have done some weird things, they, they ended up making the decision to fire um, you know, fire the head coach, which I thought was, which at least to me seemed like the smart move to, to let, to let go of him. So I just, I guess I thought that they would have a little bit better plan in place. And again, maybe it does speak to, uh, you know, they had to fire, was it Steve Kime that they had to let go there or they put him in a different role in the organization. I can't remember exactly what they did with the GM there. They seem to just be in, he got fired. Did he get fired? I couldn't remember exactly what came of that, but like, it was just, you know, between the cliff thing and like the, the strangeness of the relationship between cliff and, and Kyler, like, I don't know, man, it seems re- the Cardinals just seem to be in a really weird spot. And the thing that's unfortunate about the Cardinals not being able to get their act together and find a hire is that some of the guys that we know as we in Cleveland are sort of sitting. And I know it's been a popular sort of topic in our Slack channels is like, well, you know, the Browns haven't hired or any <laughs> defensive changes. Like they haven't made any defensive changes to right. their staff. And that's you know peculiar, but then you start to look around you're like, oh, okay, I can see where they're being blocked by this, that, or the other, and it's like, okay, largely they're blocked because the the core the, the Cardinals haven't made a decision, and their their assistants are sort of waiting in limbo. And another uh, guy that at least again of several that are connected to Jim Schwartz from his his tenure with with the uh, with the Eagles is is Matt. I think it's what it's Matt Burke. Matt Burke. He interviewed. He actually interviewed for the DC role. He's the defensive line coach uh, under the last regime, which I cannot, I can't even tell you who the uh, DC was with that, with that organization this past year. And again, maybe, you know, off the was top it of still your head. Vance Joseph, maybe I think you might be right on that. I think you might be right. Yeah. I think it was Vance. Cause I always kind of get sure. the Wilkes was the head coach there for a little bit. I get those two a little confused, mm-hmm. but uh, um, so, okay. Yeah. You're talking about Vance and then, at this point, like, so Burke interviews for the DC job in Houston, that still hasn't been decided. He was heavily connected to, to Schwartz and like a very popular, okay, if they're going to move on from Kiffin, this is a very logical defensive line coach hire. Like all of it meshes together. It's just like, we're sort of sitting here waiting, trying to figure out what on earth they're going to do in Arizona to give guys like Burke, if they don't take an upgraded position, an opportunity to, uh, to move laterally and go somewhere else with a bit more of a strong foundation. I get what they're doing. I mean, if you're going to hire a coach this late, Andrew, you probably want to have some people in house already. Cause th- that guy, I would imagine that guy putting together a staff is going to be really hard. Right. right? So it's, yeah. it's kind of working both ways here where the Brown it's kind of hurting the Browns. Not that these are the only sort of options that are available. Certainly there are other options available for them, but these are guys directly connected to Schwartz history. And there's a logjam there of of like decisions or fallout of decisions that have to happen. But I do think as we kind of circle back and talk about the Browns and looking at staffs, like it feels to me a little weird that we've heard absolutely nothing about any part of the staff at all. And I and I know Schwartz had made note of it, Andrew, when he was hired about like this is Kevin's staff and it's my job to coach up the coaches that are here if they're going to be here and blah blah blah. I just I guess I had thought that there would be some movement somewhere somehow, and I, it could happen. But it seems a little weird to be so quiet at this juncture. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. I I think there's, you know, to me, there's sort of two options here, right? One is one is that they are waiting on, you know, uh, some of these other head coaching jobs to shake out. 
and and then you know they i mean because the other thing i think that i i kind of uh pointed out uh you know on on one of the obr uh video streaming shows earlier this week is you know last year all of the changes that they made got announced in one press release um you know it was, it was after the super bowl i think it was like a week after the super bowl and they put out one you know three page long press release with 10 different coaching staff changes you know, in that case, it wasn't a lot of firings and firings. It was it was promotions and reassignments, that sort of thing. And then they did the same thing with all of those uh, front office changes, right? Because they lost Quezzi to uh, Minnesota, and they hired Catherine Raich from the Eagles to come in and be the new assistant general manager. They didn't make separate announcements for all of those moves. They made one announcement for all of the different changes throughout the organization. So, you know, I have that in the back of my mind, but typically – even with the Catherine Rach, Rach example, that news breaks earlier, right? It doesn't, it doesn't. It, yeah. It, you get an insider right, saying something. Right. They're, their agent, they're, the, you know, the coach's agent is too excited. They're not going to keep it a secret for three weeks. Uh, and it's been three weeks now since Jim Schwartz was hired as the defensive coordinator. So the, the logical conclusion then is if it's not leaking, then the, you start to think, are they not making any changes? Which, you know, I mean, I, we, I don't think we really want to like dig into, you know, the right or wrong of that, but I, I would be surprised. Let's say that I would be very surprised given some of the pretty controversial things that happened with members of the defensive coaching staff. Uh, I'm looking at Jeff Howard uh, and I'm looking at Chris Kiffin, right? Um, given those things happening, it would be surprising that they elect to bring both, both of those guys and all of these other guys back. To say the least, man, I, I thought there was an, an, an aura of, Kiffin on that final Jadevian Clowney uh, circus. Yeah. Like I'm done here and this isn't going to matter what I say. So I'm just going to say it anyway. Like, I don't know, man, there's, there's, I'm really confused by all of it. Again, I'm not trying to incite panic. I know that's not what you're doing either. Like we're just like to the angle of none of this makes a ton of sense right now. And I think there's put it this way. There's probably more to NFL coaching contracts of like, trying to think of the way to put this coaching contracts are tricky. And I think we all think that you can just take jobs and move and do whatever. And it's a little harder than that when you're under contract. Now, when you're not under contract, obviously there are a lot of advantages to you being able to move quickly, but the, the, the difficulty of assistance being under contracts, is those are nice contracts. There's a lot of money there and you can't just leave them without having a way to get your next contract covered. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to have a pretty solid plan in place um and that could happen here but there's also some ways of they things can be blocked right if you're if you're like put it this way andrew if you're under contract with the cardinals i don't know if it's dependent say burke here i don't know if his contract Mm -hmm. is dependent on the head coach still being there some of them have clauses to get out of it there are ways they can do certain things like if a coach is fired i think there's language to be written there but say for example hey man i'm the current under uh two i have two more years because cliff just got an extension reminder maybe that meant extensions for his assistants i'm not sure but again you're like hey i want to go actually uh interview for the browns defensive line job the cardinals can just say no i would imagine you're not going to do that so i again i don't know i really don't know we know we heard about jeff howard interviewing with uh with with the chargers and again maybe the browns are just letting him because there's uncertainty about who schwartz would have I don't really know. And maybe there's somebody out there listening to this who has a great feel for the language within assistant coach contracts. Is it, is it teams just allow those guys to go do those things if they want is that the Cardinals will say, Hey man, 
you're going to interview for the for the Texans because that's a that's a positional upgrade. But you're not going to interview anywhere else until we hire a coach and they determine whether they want to keep you or not. I think that could be the angle here. So we are we're maybe making something out of nothing in terms of like the Browns are messing this up. And I don't think that's what either of us are trying to say, but it's just it's just peculiar because I think you and I have talked about this many times on OBR shows that this is not the strongest staff. And that's what, uh, again, a lot of these guys do not have a, a, a wide ranging background of NFL experience like I don't think you have to dig very deep in these resumes to see like, oh, he just came from the college level a couple of years ago or whatever. Like, it's kind of obvious to me that these guys are NFL experiences lacking. Like I've made the point that a couple of them, Ben Birch and then um, um, uh, Jeff Howard's had some NFL experience on the defensive side. Kiffin's experience, while lengthy, though, is all college. So there are just to me like what I've wanted to see is especially defensively. And we've talked about wanting to add pieces to the offense and that's, that still holds true. But like to the defensive side, I wanted to see just a, just a deeper knowledge staff, like to have Jim Schwartz is like an advisor. How great is that for the, for the Titans? You know what I'm saying, man? So I don't think the Browns have any of those things. And that's why I'm looking at this. And this is a, a theme I saw across people talking about the Broncos, Andrew, which we'll talk a little more about them in a minute, but you know, that staff last year under under Nathaniel Hackett was just it was bad. And they, they're guys who mm-hmm. had little NFL experience, um, a bunch of issues uh, stemming from the lack of experience in terms of messaging. And I think that, again, I don't think this gets talked about enough. I think assistant coaches are, are a lot more important than we want to like give credit for, because the X's and O's side, not always. And the teaching has you know, guys are. There's some tricks of the trade stuff that happen, but for the most part, guys are taught things at the college level that they're going to carry over into the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. But they have the ability, assistant coaches, to pass along a message, a belief system that a coach has in place, get their guys to buy into it, and then and then everything that comes with it. And if you have an inexperienced assistant coaching staff, Andrew, it feels to me like that's where the respect, I don't respect my position coach. I don't really care to respect the messaging of the head coach. And that to me, like can leave some wiggle room for cultural issues. Do you think I'm on the right path there? Cause I've believed this for a while that, you know, again, look, I think if you go look at the Eagle staff and you go look at the KC staff, like you're going to see guys who have mattered in the NFL before. And I do think that stuff matters getting as many smart minds, experienced minds. Like eventually that stuff sort of pays off, man. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree, Jake. And I, you know, I think, uh, the, the, the proof is in the pudding here a little bit with with the you know some of the Browns defenders, especially some of the young guys, right? I mean, I think one of the most concerning things about their defensive performance, uh, I mean, after, after you get through the the blown coverages, right, and the inability to stop the run, but up there in that second tier is like uh, J- Jeremiah Usukoromoa was a worse player this year than he was last year, uh, and and obviously Greg Newsom got moved into the slot, but it's the same thing; those guys both regressed year over year. And so uh it, you didn't see a big step forward from from you know uh uh Alex Wright who's a third round draft pick. Um you know, I know it's his rookie year, but but you want to see development over the course of the season. We did see a little bit of that from Perry and Winfrey. And obviously, you know, if we're talking about young defenders, Martin Emerson had a great rookie season. Um but but development, we're talking like guys that have been here 2-3 years. Think about Jacob Phillips. 
Uh, he looked as lost this year uh, in this defense as he did as a rookie. So to your point, uh, you're bringing you're bringing these players along. You're spending third-round draft picks on players. It's their third year in the same defensive system. No changes to the coaches or the scheme. And the player looks as lost as they did the first year. Now, some of that can you can say, well, you know, the the they they screwed up the pick and that guy just wasn't the guy. You can say that. I think that can be true. But also, I think you have to look at the coaching a little bit, right? Because part of what is, you know, is the job of these guys in the NFL is to sometimes find a diamond in the rough. Uh, you know, an undrafted free agent that hits, you know, um, you you know, you mentioned uh, you know, Jim Schwartz being a, a senior advisor in Tennessee. Uh, think about the the job they did this year with some players that were really unheralded. I think they had a practice squad safety from the the Steelers come in, and he was starting after a while. You know they they were benching players um, that couldn't do it on the defense and and playing. You know at one point they were playing our old our old friend uh, Terrence Mitchell ahead of uh, I'm trying I'm yeah. I'm blanking on the name of the uh, Caleb Farley is the cornerback from for them. He got benched. Yep. He couldn't do it, and so. They go back to Terrence Mitchell. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there are there. You look around the NFL, you see teams um, developing players, snatching players out of nowhere, and bringing them along quickly. And I, I don't think we've seen a lot of that under this coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think you can have somewhat of the same conversation on the offensive side when you talk about Anthony Schwartz. Uh, you know, the lack of contribution from David Bell this year, but but just focusing on the defense, it's definitely to me, it's a big area of concern and. The thought was that Schwartz, with his connections, would upgrade that. And again, I, to, you know, you said we're not panicking, and I, I'm not, but you're certainly asking the question at this point. Yeah, and you and you start to look at like where some of the the, the cultural locker room based problems stem from, and you can you can start right. to see where those things experience coaches. You don't ever hear anything from the running back room, right? You know, you don't you get exactly. you get Odell, who's his own situation you get him out of the wide you didn't hear anything out of the wide receivers you didn't hear anything about the o-line it's like the issues are coming from places i don't think the leadership are very strong and like those units collectively i don't think bought in to what the overall organization or, or coach staff's goals but to like to the point we we were talking about here with schwartz and, and advice like i was kind of stunned that stefanski couldn't get mike zimmer to be in in, in that kind of role right like or the browns like Great it's point. interesting that that Flores is is a guy who really he was a linebackers coach like just kind of helping out in, mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh and I don't know some yeah. of that stuff's connection based and you only know so many people but that was an amazing thing to me is like the Browns I need them to get smarter coaches in the building more of them more who have had yeah. deeper NFL experience now Schwartz helps clearly but if Schwartz doesn't bring some people with him and it's just him it's like is that enough I don't really know man so I it's Mm -hmm. it's it's just a point of concern and this isn't just isolated to the browns again we're talking about two teams who haven't even hired a head coach we're talking about the broncos who just brought right. in <laughs> we always get isolated on the browns that's the point of this show it's the point of what we do but like they just hired sean payton sean payton didn't even know that russell wilson has his own personal coaches in the building like he's he was asked <laughs> a question he didn't even know you like in the in the course of interviews and vetting the russell wilson dynamic here you didn't that didn't come up once that he has his own personal office in the building like None of that came up. And so it's like, th there's a lot of stuff here. And I had somebody say that to me on Twitter today about, about Greg Newsom, who we'll talk about here in just a minute is, is, uh, you know, Hey, should pipe down, should shut up on Twitter. Like, 
this is an NFL thing, man. Guys have the ability <laughs> to talk more than they've ever had the ability to talk. And, and um, you know, microphones in front of their face isn't anything new, but like the ability for a guy to go on social and talk about he doesn't like position or, you know, uh, you know, clowny situation like, like the, these, this is, this is everywhere. These are, these issues are in a lot of different places. And to me, it's just, how do you handle them? Do you have enough people that your, your players in the building respect to buy in and, and to the larger point, like winning helps with it, man. You find, you don't find many losers yep. losing locker rooms that have great culture. It's just not, it's just not a thing. Like the, the, the winning stuff goes hand in hand with it. The more winning you do, the less, controversy that's out there all of that is a thing but i don't know man to me as i look at sort of the the, the log jam of coaches and um the, the the situation where it's like is the brown i think that's something that we'll end up asking at the end of this year is especially on defense because i do think there's enough talent on offensive guys that have done it i would like them to get another voice or two but defensively can they get enough people in there to handle all the elements that come with getting your collective defense better. And if they can't, if they don't make many changes, it puts an immense amount of pressure on Swartz to teach up his guys, right? To coach his coaches. And uh, that's a lot. That's that's a lot, and that's a big ask. And we'll see if he's uh, ultimately able, able to do it. We are um, – okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back. We'll talk about the Super Bowl and then – um, hit on this, this Greg Newsom topic, which is uh, pretty interesting. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This has probably been the most boring Super Bowl week ever, Andrew. I think I said this to you before the show. It seems like the uh, the, the NFL got it right. The two teams that are the best, I think, are in it. I, I don't think that's really something we can argue. The Chiefs, Chiefs and Eagles, to me, uh, polarizing teams, great seasons, one fin- fantastic quarterback, one team that I think is the deepest team in the league. Um, they got that right. But, but does it just seem abnormally boring to you, or am I off on that? Have you seen just a bunch of storylines that have been great? I haven't seen many quotes. I haven't seen much of anything to make this a more compelling matchup than just, hey, these are the two best teams. And maybe that's great for the NFL. I'm not sure. It just seems kind of boring. Yeah, I no, I hear you, Jake. And I, I think, you know, I, I think I think that this is maybe a little bit of an out there theory, but you know, it's the off season or for the Browns anyway, it's the off season. We can we can indulge ourselves a little bit more, maybe. Um I, I kind of wonder if maybe we're getting to a part of our like of the NFL where like 
the Super Bowl is is kind of anticlimactic every year, you know, because it's like I, I don't have two weeks of of like uh, uh, getting amped for this in me at this point. I'm you know, I'm 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 thinking about I mean, we spent the first you know 20 minutes of the show talking about uh, what comes next and the offseason and things, you know, it's hard for me even really. Fo- I mean, I will watch the game. I'm not saying that, but, you know. There was some stuff going around on Twitter this week of like, uh, do you even go to a Super Bowl party anymore? Is it even fun to go to a Super Bowl party? And so I, I kind of wonder, like, is it even as big of a deal as it was, say, five, ten years ago? Because I, I agree. I don't think that there's the same excitement for the actual event of the football game. It's like all the stuff around it now dwarfs the actual game. I think that's an interesting thought. I, I've never, I've never thought that there isn't a, a, an, an excitement for the game that there's not all that comes with it doesn't leave you anticipating it. But I, I also am kind of with you of like, I kind of wish it just happened last weekend. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because yeah. the pro bowl has become nothing these, these, these days. And, and I mean, I know the pro bowl hasn't really meant a ton anyway. I, I, that point doesn't really miss me at, at all, but like, I don't know. Something's off, man. I, I I'm not entirely sure if it's that, there's just no boisterous personalities there. Like it just seems like two teams ready for business, and maybe it'll be a great game, and nothing, none of this will even matter, and it'll kind of be a funny talking point because it'll be a fantastic game. But I, I just, I just had this like thought over the this week of man, this is this is a really boring buildup to this Super Bowl, and I don't, I don't really know why that is because I don't think you're wrong. I don't think that like, I, I mean, I don't know. We're not going to a Super Bowl party. I mean, it felt. I, I kind of like you said, I feel like Super Bowl parties used to be kind of a bigger deal. Hey, do you guys want to come over? We'll do food and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't, I don't know, man. It's kind of strange. <laughs> I'm not sure where that has gone. I'm sure the two teams that are involved in the game are pretty dang excited about it and doing a bunch of fun stuff for it. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, you and I are hoping that the Browns someday give us that opportunity. But I don't know if I don't know what we're even saying, I, I, I just think it's less, it's less <laughs> excitement about it. Sure. I, I think that's yeah. probably true, but it's also later than it's ever been. It's like, this game's yeah. going to be 12 days, 11 days into February. And like, I remember when my son was born on Super Bowl, the, the, he was born the last time the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That was February 4th. I just think that it's, it's getting later into February. And I don't know if that plays into it, where like at the end of January, it kind of felt right to me. Maybe the first few days of February. Do you think that has something to do with it? I'm not totally sure, man. I just am not. I'm not. I'm not very excited about this thing. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I think that that definitely could play a role because it's just. I think there's a little bit of a like. Is the season over yet? I, I mean, it's. It's. You know. I. I mean, usually you're kind of hanging on to the end of the NFL season, and and every little drop of it is is delicious. But you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I. I I mean, as far as the game itself, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, and and obviously what the Chiefs do on offense going up against the, that Eagles defense is, a, it's, you know, that's sort of a classic matchup. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, um, I think the Chiefs are, are underrated on defense, uh, especially the way that they approach like playoff games. Um, you know, and obviously I think Jalen Hurts continues to be underrated. So I, I think there's like – there's plenty to watch when they actually take the field, but it, it, I my feeling on it at this point is just like, you know, uh, wake me when it starts. Like, you know, call me at six thirty on Sunday, and and then we'll talk. But until then, it's like, I I mean, I haven't watched. You know, they're doing all like the media stuff. I, I does anybody care about any of that stuff anymore? It seems like it's just done for the sake of being done. But 
like you said, there's no news coming out of it. They, they, these poor guys did press conferences all week and there was no news. Nobody said anything. No, there's nothing coming out of them. And I don't know if it's a time difference thing where they're happening. I, I real I'm making any excuse. <laughs> I do think it's tied to the late, like, I think it's tied to the nature of how late it is, like how late in February now this thing has turned into. I, I, I do wonder if that's a part of it. And, and then the elimination of the Pro Bowl stuff, I want, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious if they'll maybe consider moving it up somewhat. I'm not sure what they can do. I, I really don't know. The extra, what it comes down to is there's an extra NFL game, right? right? There's an extra week in the regular season now, and that bumps everything back. But I just, uh, I just, I'm not, I don't know. There's not, the Senior Bowl happened already. Right. Like the Senior Bowl is an indication that the off season has kicked off to me, and that's already happened. So it's, it's just, it's sort of weird at that point that when the Senior Bowl has transpired, oh, then I go back and I'm watching the Super Bowl. So I think that could play into it too. Yep. Um, not, not something that we have an answer to other than we just have a vibe. And I think the vibe is that it's getting too late yeah. in February to have as much anticipation where it feels like I just kind of feel like football season's over and we're all talking about off season stuff yeah. now. Right. And yeah, well, and that, that's just kind of the is vibe. It two weekends this weekend from the combine. Yeah. The, the combine will happen the, the in very end of February and then into the, so, month. So, <laughs> yeah, man, the extra I mean, we're, yeah, we're two weeks from the combine and the Super Bowl hasn't happened. Yeah, the extra. I think the extra week has really kind of messed with this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I think you're right. And there has I like, right. said, like, there's just been nothing, nothing to come out, nothing to come out about it. And, and all these interviews, yeah. I can't say I've even watched many of those. Those no. usually those funny little Super Bowl media segments, and none of them have been there this year. There's just been no quotes. There's been nothing. So again, maybe the game will be great and Rihanna will be awesome, and none of it matters. But I just feel like they're getting to the point where your general body clock says football's over, but oh yeah, there's still this game <laughs> yeah. and, and people still watch and there'll be million and tons of people. And none of that stuff will matter. None of it ultimately really matters. It's just like a vibe of the whole thing is different than it used to be. It's kind of the angle. Who do you think wins? Mm -hmm. I guess that's something we should throw on. Cause I think, like I said, the Eagles have the better roster. I think they're the, they're the better overall team, but also they don't have Patrick Mahomes. And that's kind of what makes it yeah. an interesting game. So where, where do you think, uh, from a, a betting perspective, where do you where do you think it goes? Oh, I, yeah, give me Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you know, in a big game like this. I, I, I mean, I, I I'm with you. I think the Eagles roster is is loaded and and you know, like I mean, to, to kind of put a little Browns nugget in this, I'm you know, everybody talks all the time about Andrew Barry, you know, worked for uh, Howie Roseman for a year. Um, you know, the, the my expectation in all honesty, is that the Browns 2023 roster should be like the Eagles 2022 roster, right? Where guys like uh, Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph and, you know, that trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson that they swung like, what, two weeks before the season? All these sorts of additions where they're not done adding until the playoffs start, right? Like they're adding players all through the season. That's the, to me, that's the bar if the Browns really think their window is as wide open as I think they think it is, uh, that's the bar. But, but to, you know, to go to the game, I just think, you know, you, you, in big games, it's hard not to want the best quarterback. And then I, that, I think that same team that has the best quarterback has the better coach. And I, you know, I tend to lean towards those sort of fundamental type things in big games like this. I think I do too. I think the, the stat that I have found interesting is, um, you know, I think both teams should be able to score. But what I have found interesting is on third and seven plus, if you can get the Eagles to third and seven plus, right, which is technically third and long, some longs different than others, 
Uh, Jalen Hurts is 27th in EPA per dropback. If you can make a, a, a find some way to make the Eagles run game obsolete, you have a real chance to beat them. Now that's not easy, but if you can, then I think you can get to the point that you can beat them. So I actually have kind of in my gut been leaning KC as well. I would love to get some points. I don't know where you sit on that, but I would love to get a couple points with them. Oh, definitely. Like if I could get yeah, KC I, plus three and a half, I don't think that's the line. I haven't even looked. It tells you how far out of it I've been. I haven't even looked at it, but <laughs> um, if you can get them plus a little bit, I think that's the play um, because I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. I really don't. I would be pretty surprised if this game was a non uh, one score game throughout most of it. I would, I would, I would be pretty, pretty surprised by that. So we see it the same way. The question is, will the Browns matter to the Super Bowl next year? What's, what's your early gut tell you? Oh. Will they have any, will they <laughs> no. have any, a couple games away from it, a game away from it? What's your gut tell you right now? Uh, well, I mean, I, I hate to do this now because, um, I, I'm, I, my, I, my mind is open to being changed, but I, I left last season pretty pessimistic, and that hasn't changed yet. So, um, I, you know, you and I, I got some work to do to get yeah, you out of the pessimistic. Th- mode. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you way. and I had plenty of those conversations in those late late season post game. You know, we we were we were more of a self help group at the end of the season than anything else. Uh, yeah. and and that hasn't I, I haven't that taste is still not washed out of my mouth. So as of now, I would say uh, I'm, I would be closer to saying that they uh, missed the playoffs and blow everything up than that they're a factor in the playoffs. I think that's fair. I also think there are people way too far on the other end of the spectrum where they treat them like they won four games. When in that's, reality, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm not saying that's what you're doing here, but there are some people who act like they're so far away. And it's like, hey, if a yeah. couple things that are simple break their way, yeah. they're actually in a pretty good place and you can see them mattering. So I do think you're right, and we did have self-help groups, and they were so frustrating. <laughs> they weren't altogether too far off, but I think the point is um, they have work to do to get us to yeah. believe it's not like they can just run it back, status quo, it, draft some guys, and boom. They exactly. have to do some things that make us see the light because they're still right now personnel issues. And I, this is <laughs> we're talking about the offseason in February, so we know what's to come, but I don't right. think they're terribly terrible. I don't think they're far off. I think they have to make a couple big moves, though. They got to make a move right. for guys right. that matter up front. They have to solidify the trenches, and um, there are obviously some auxiliary decisions that matter as well. That we'll get into at a later date, but hopefully and, this time and, next year. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, the biggest question is with the guy that's already on the roster. You alluded to it earlier. I mean, it, it's all about what happens between Stefanski and Watson with the passing offense. That's. I mean. They could they could probably stand pat with the roster they have. I mean, I don't want them to, but they could. And and if if that part gets figured out and they're a top five passing offense, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, it all hinges on Deshaun. It it, it, it really does. does. If they if they can't figure that out, then all of the hey, they got Dayron Payne or they did this or they it right. doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So uh, yeah, like I said, a lot to dig in between now and uh, at that point. Well, I, I'm going to save Greg Newsom. We'll talk about that another day. It's just not too relevant to the point of what we do here with this show. But I think for what we little uh, little meat is on the bone around the league right now, we covered about everything we can. Andrew and I both like the Chiefs and the Super Bowl. We'll see what comes of it, but that's our vibe. Uh, we will try to continue as 
schedules got a little chaotic as we wanted to start franchise mode, but I think we're going to be in a spot to record these and hopefully have them up for you every Friday is the plan. So, um, yeah, exciting stuff. We'll keep doing these looking around the league. And like I said, it'll be a lot more fun when we get these players at the combine or we get these signings or these trades and we can really analyze stuff going on around the league. So, um, yeah, anyway, good start. Good show, Andrew. I appreciate you, man. Uh, always, always love the insight. Thanks for having me, Jake. Okay, guys, for, for Andrew, for, for me, uh, for the OBR Film Breakdown, we appreciate you being here, uh, listening to us, taking time out on your Friday. I hope you have a great Friday. Stay safe wherever you are. Be well. Uh, have a great weekend. I'll catch you over the weekend with a pod with John Colosimo and then probably do um, a little speed mock there as well, like I've tried to every Saturday. We'll try to do that. Probably nothing on Super Bowl Sunday because no one's going to listen to. You guys shouldn't be listening to a Browns podcast on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, but anyway, listen, have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy whatever it is you do. Hopefully you catch the Super Bowl and it's an exciting game. So thanks for stopping by on this Friday. Have a great day. Go Browns.